Matthew chapter number five. You know, any time that I uh, try to prepare a sermon, I, I pray and I ask the Lord, what is something that's going to be uh, a help? What, what do the church people need? Uh, what, what, do, what do I need? What do they need? What's going to bring you the most glory? Uh, and I've, I, I, it came to mind, I've heard people say before that the, the Sunday morning crowd, uh, they love their church. The Sunday night crowd, they love their pastor. And the Wednesday night crowd, they love the Lord. Uh, and I would say that that, uh, that, that is true. Uh, now, that's not to say that the Sunday morning crowd doesn't love the Lord or doesn't love their pastor. Um, but I think that it is proof that us here on Wednesday night that we, we are committed to the Lord. Um, so what, what I'm going to preach on tonight has a little bit to do with that, uh, and I hope that it will be a help to you. Look at uh, Matthew chapter number 5, and we're going to read just one verse tonight, and then we'll pray and get started. Verse number 41 of chapter number 5. The Bible says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you tonight to help me. I pray that you would please uh, prepare the hearts of all the people in here, prepare my heart, uh, Lord, I pray that I would preach only what you would have me to preach, Lord. I pray that I would uh, completely get my own self and my own pride and my own concerns out of the way and that we would be fully focused on your message tonight and that we would allow to do a work in our hearts. I pray that you would please watch over the teenagers tonight as well, Father, and all the ministries that we have in Christ's name. Amen. In Matthew chapter number 5, uh, this catches us right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you can read through chapters 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, and you can see Christ preaching His Sermon on the Mount. And, and if you read through there, you'll see instruct, uh, instruction, you'll see uh, direction, you'll see doctrine, all given by the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, this 41st verse, although very familiar, oftentimes if you're reading through, can be jumped over very quickly, but I believe there's uh, quite a handful of things that we can dive in and that we can take from this one verse. Uh, what I want to preach tonight is on the topic of help. Helping the whosoever. Uh, if you look again in uh, verse 41, we'll read it. It says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Uh, we have to think, wh what does Walridge need? Now, this is something that could help anybody, I'm sure. Any, this message could, could be for anybody, but specifically on a Wednesday night with the folks that are uh, undoubtedly the most committed to, to church attendance, what do we need tonight? Uh, I believe that. The fact that we're here three times a week, that we sing with joy in our hearts, that we're willing to take part in ministries that are not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, shows our faithfulness. But I always believe an important part of the Christian life is reaching out to go above and beyond that that we're doing even right now. Um, I can tell you, and uh, I, this is a little bit embarrassing, but I, I'll, just, I'll just be transparent with you. I have only been faithful to church the last six years of my life. Uh, I was saved when I was 13 years old. Uh, I grew up in a church that was uh, that loved the Lord, uh, but it was what we would consider more of a shallow church. Uh, they were King James only uh, church, and they preached salvation. They preached a good, sound doctrine, but each and every week was a salvation message. There wasn't much that a 13-year-old boy could take after he had been saved and really grow on. So I found as I got older, uh, I got out of church. Uh, and it wasn't until uh, a year after I had got married that I really started to get back in church and I really start the Lord begin to do a work in my life. Uh, a couple years ago, the Lord called me to preach. Uh, and since then, I've been able to be involved with the youth and camp. And, and this isn't anything of myself. This is what the Lord has done uh, for me and blessed me with. But I find that even now, even though sometimes I feel like uh, the, the overwhelming sensor is up here on all the things to do, I feel that there's still a need to do even more for the Lord. There's still a need uh, because there's, there's those people, there's the whosoever out there that need the help. 
So that brings me to my first point. First thing that I want us to look at is the call to be compelled. If you look at that verse, it says, whosoever shall compel thee. Well, if you study this verse out, you'll find uh, that in that time that it was not uncommon for soldiers or government officials uh, to require the people uh, to carry their uh, their armor or their equipment for at least a mile. It was a requirement by law that if I came up to somebody, we'll pick on Miss Anna, and I said, Miss Anna, I need you to carry this for a mile. She was required by law to do that. It didn't matter if it was, uh, if it was uh, some great uh, sword and shield and, and heavy uh, burdensome things, or if it was just a piece of, of postage, it was required by law. But here in the fifth chapter of Matthew, The Lord Jesus Christ tells us, don't just do the one mile, do two miles. Go above and beyond. Do a little bit extra. He says that if they compel you. Now, compel means to be urged or to be pushed or to be uh, pressured in some way to do something. And I began to think, what are some areas that Wall Ridge needs to be compelled in, in our own personal lives so that we can see the Lord fill these pews on Wednesday nights as well? And I believe the first thing is we need to be compelled to service for the Lord. Uh, this this Bible verse, it, it has it, and, and I understand that when it says being compelled, that it's talking about someone coming to us and asking us for help. But let me say, for the purpose of our church, we need to be able to compel ourselves to go out and help those that don't know that they need to compel us. Now, let me say that in another way. It makes more sense. We need to urge ourselves and push ourselves to help those that don't necessarily know that they need to be asking for help. We need to be looking for how we can let Christ be a shining light in the light of other people. We need to, at times, compel and urge and push and pressure ourselves to do more than we're doing right now. Praise the Lord that you're here on a Wednesday night, but, and, and hopefully this doesn't upset anybody, but if the Wednesday night is the top of what you're doing for the Lord, there should be more than that to it. The Wednesday night should just be another time that you're able to come into the house of the Lord and to sing praises to God and to be able to be spiritually fed, but then to go out and to face the world. So we have to be compelled first to, uh, to service in our church. Now, as we talked about, we have many ministries. We've got the uh, the camp ministry, the senior saints ministry. I'm kind of partial to the youth ministry myself. Uh, we've got all kinds of men and the and the song and choir ministry. We've got all kinds of things that we can do. Uh, can I say that it's a good thing for church people to search out areas that they can serve in their church? It doesn't matter if the Lord has not called one of you men to preach. It doesn't mean that there's not a great thing that needs to be done. Uh, Brother Nick, he works in the sound all the time. That's a need. That's something that needs to be done. It doesn't matter if if you ladies have never been called into the mission field or to uh, play piano or to sing. Uh, There's still things that need to be done. And I can tell you, don't think that, well, all the roles have been filled. There's nothing for me to do other than just be there because there is always something that needs to be done. I don't care if your church has ten people in it. There's always some area that you can serve and that you can help. But the way that uh, you can do that is to compel and to urge and to push yourself to do that. But I'll say not just at church, but at our work, at our jobs, at our occupations. Uh, I say this to the young people all the time, and I've probably mentioned it here before preaching. Uh, oftentimes, the areas that I go into work uh, are uh, considered construction areas. They're uh, a lot of times hard hat, earplugs, wear your safety vest kind of construction areas. And I don't know, I'm sure this is going to come to a big surprise to a lot of you, but people don't use the best language in those kinds of places. A lot of you men know this. 
Uh, people don't, they don't talk the best in these areas. They don't talk about the things that glorify God, but oftentimes they talk uh, against God, against the things of God, uh, and it can be very discouraging at times. But can I say that if I wake up with a purpose in my heart to compel myself that morning to go out and to share Jesus Christ with someone, then there's a possibility that they could get back in church that they could get saved. In some way, Christ would be glorified that day if I go out and I make the difference with one person at work that day. So we have to compel ourselves with church, with work, but I'll also say abroad. You know, raise your hand. I hope it's okay if we get a little bit interactive. Raise your hand if, uh, if you have somebody in your life that you know is lost and you pray that they uh, will be saved. Everybody including me. I have multiple people, and I'm sure you do too. Multiple people come to mind. You know, we come down here, and oftentimes I'll come and I'll pray for my family members and ask the Lord to save them. I'll ask, I'll ask the Lord for those that live out of town that when I'm not able to be around them, that somebody, some way, would take a Bible and that they would be willing to listen and hear the gospel presented to them so that they can accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But let me say this. When I pray that, I'm asking God will send someone to do that work. Because at, the, at that time, I'm not able. I don't, I don't live in all the states that they live in. And so that responsibility is on someone. Now, if God answers that prayer, what does that mean? That means someone somewhere is going to be pricked in the heart by the Lord to take their Bible and to do that. Now, do you believe that other people across this country and across this world are praying for the same thing? Sure. What if you're that person that's supposed to leave their family member, their son, their daughter, but we're not willing because we have not urged ourselves in our own hearts to do more than we're doing now for the Lord? You know, oftentimes, oftentimes, uh, I think to myself uh, when the Lord lays on my heart, you need, you need to share the gospel with this person. Uh, I'll think, Lord, I, I can do that, but... What if, they just, what if they just shoot me down? I mean, what, what if they say something that embarrasses me? What if it, I, I might have to work with this person for the next two months. Why, do, why can't you let me talk to them the last day I'm going to work with them? That way if it doesn't work out. But God will say, no, right now, right now. And I've learned that the reason the Lord does that is because he's doing a work right then in their heart. Now, it doesn't always mean that they're going to get saved, but you know, oftentimes I have been uh, willing and submissive, not all the time, but oftentimes when the Lord's asked me to do something for him, and I've talked to that person, and they've said, I was just thinking about that today. I, I had just been thinking about that. I'd just been wondering, or, or, or they might say, I've just been, I had a painter say to me one time, he said, you know, I've thought about you since the last time we worked together. And since then, my marriage has just turned uh, into shambles. It's falling apart. And he said, I, I want to get back in church. I want to go to church. And that was because the Lord was doing work in that man's heart. And while I was out, I was willing to talk to him and to do something and to, to, to compel myself to take that extra step, to do, to do something for the Lord. Uh, he, he told me later on that he actually drove by and found the church. He hadn't been here, but I still pray that he'll come here one day. But we, ought to, we have a call to be compelled, even if it's for ourselves, for service, but also say secondly, in our submission to the Lord. You know, I, I said this to the kids on Friday night. Uh, it's a simple thing to accept salvation. 
Now, I'm not talking about easy believism, but I'm saying that when the Holy Spirit of God convicts you and makes you aware that you are a sinner and lost and bound for hell, it is a simple thing to understand that if you will pray and accept Jesus Christ, you'll be saved from hell for all of eternity. But it is not an easy thing to live the Christian life. It may be simple to be saved, but it's not easy to live for Christ. I've lived on both sides of it, and I can tell you uh, all the happiness and all the joy and all the peace comes living for the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is the tougher of the two, uh, because I'm having to constantly fight my own flesh. I have to constantly wake up every single morning knowing that there's going to be a battle before me. Um, Oftentimes I'll think of my son Levi and his future and uh, I've got to be honest with you, uh, I worry so much for him and, and for my daughter that's going to be born. Uh, just just thinking about this world and what it's turning into and the fear that I have of knowing that uh, here I am, a, a, a grown man, and it is so difficult at times to fight against Satan. And, you, and we talk all the time. We, we talk about it even when church ain't going on. We'll talk, well, 20, 30 years ago, you didn't see this. And that's the truth. Imagine what it's going to be like for them. It's terrifying. But we have to be submitted to the Lord, compelled to be submitted, even if it's not an easy thing in our life. One, we've got to be submitted with our time. Now, uh, I can tell y'all have got that down. Y'all are here on a Wednesday night. You've got the time thing down. But let me just say, again, it's, it's not just the church attendance, but it's the things above and beyond. I'll, st- I'll step on toes for just a second here. But we have a Tuesday night men's visitation. And oftentimes it's two or three of us here. And I know there's not two or three men in the church. Uh, we need more. Uh, and, and I'm not saying this. I know people have obligations. Listen, I'm not picking on any one person because I don't know what, what's going on with your lives. But I can tell you this. If we want to see this row and that row and that side filled up, it's going to be because we go out and knock on doors and tell people about the Lord. Now, sometimes, uh, let, let, me, let me be clear, uh, that doesn't mean that people don't walk through our doors sometimes because we invite them. But if we want to make progress and we want to see people in good families uh, like the Kramers, I'll pick on them tonight since they're not here, like the Kramers come through our doors, guess how they got here? Somebody left a wall ridge track on their door one night. That happens from, from one of the many ministries, and it takes a sacrifice of time. Hey, listen... Uh, I desire so much to serve the Lord, uh, but oftentimes one of my greatest battles is letting Satan get me down thinking that I'm not uh, spending the time that I should be spending with my son or with, uh, with my wife. Uh, I mean, that's a, uh, you see the, the great attack on the, on the American male uh, these days and how uh, masculinity has gone down and how leadership has gone down and how so many men have stepped out on their families. And Satan oftentimes will whisper in my ear, uh, you're one of those men. Look, you're not even spending time. You're out working or you're out doing... You're, sometimes he'll even use church things. But let me tell you, the Lord knows those things. The Lord knows my heart. The Lord knows my effort. The Lord knows that if I'm submitted to Him and giving Him my time, that He will be glorified and my life will be blessed. We must be submitted in our time, but also in our ability. In our ability. I know this may be a big shocker to you, but I get nervous as all get out before I get up and preach. Y'all know that? And half the time I do before I get up and lead the singing. Uh, I think when I first started uh uh, first started leading the singing, I, I, I just tapped the podium because my hand was shaking so bad when I was trying to, to do the movements up there. I was scared to death. Uh, but listen, the Lord, He gave me the ability to do it. Now, 
I may not do the greatest job because I hadn't been trained to do it like some folks. And I may miss up living by faith on a Wednesday night every now and then. Uh, but, but hey, the Lord's given me good health. He's given me uh, a good ability to try to serve Him and to make the best effort that I can for Him. And that's what I'll do. I'll be submitted to Him. But also, and I'll just touch on this, on our finances. Hey, one thing that I will say about Wall Ridge Baptist Church is we are not afraid to give. We can look at, at the Pine Ridge ministry. Uh, we can see all the wonderful uh, things that people brought, that they gave, uh, even monetarily, the things that the, the money that was sent up there. Uh, Wall Ridge is not afraid to do that. But let me, let me just say, we must continue to be submitted in that in all things. If the Lord lays on your heart to, uh, to help in some way with camp or something like that, follow Him in it and be submitted to Him. But we also have to be compelled in our suffering. Let's look again at this verse. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now let me ask you, do you think sometimes it was suffering a little bit for the person to have to carry all of that uh, for a mile? Well, sure it was. But, you know, this thought came across my mind not long ago. Suffering sometimes is a great blessing. You know, suffering is not something that is ever easy, hence the word suffering. Uh, but oftentimes, God will use that uh, to do a great work in our lives that will either, uh, either end up with someone getting saved or teaching us more about Him, in some way drawing us closer to Him. In some way, the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified through our suffering if we do it for the Lord. Let me say that these people that we need to be focused on, that we need to be helping, uh, we ought to be willing to even suffer uh, with them. Uh, we know that oftentimes, well, we've got the, the Wednesday night circle that we do, and we hear all the prayer requests. Uh, it does somebody good to know that somebody else is praying for them and that somebody else is, may not know exactly what they're feeling, but, it, but is, willing to, is willing to spend a little time in, in mourning with them or spend a little time in prayer with them over something, give a little bit of time and suffer that with them for a period of time. Um, so we have this call to be compelled with our service, with our submission, uh, and with our suffering. But here, here's the other question. Who, who is the whosoever? Now keep in mind that this is more directed towards Walridge Baptist Church. Uh, the whosoever then we've already determined. But, but who is the whosoever for Walridge Baptist Church? I'll say first that it's our young people, uh, our, our teenagers. Let me tell you, the only thing standing between our young people upstairs and a, a life of sin and sorrow and pain and suffering is this church. That's the only thing. You know, I can tell you, and it breaks my heart to share the stories, but I have had people that I have, teenagers that I have preached to in the last four years since I've been in youth ministry, that just in that time have gone from sitting and listening to the Bible be preached to them to being put in jail for assault, uh, to be, uh, I, I, had, I heard a boy tell me the other day, I was asking him about him and his sister. I used to preach to both of them. He said, pray for Ashley. He said, she's been in jail a few times. She's, she's hung up in prostitution. Uh, she's become addicted to drugs. Listen, if Satan can get our teenagers, he's got our next generation. If he can get them, uh, he, he knows that, uh, that there's going to be less and less and less that will be saved, less and less that will be uh, willing to go out and to do the things that we're trying to push towards tonight, uh, to be compelled to do other things. So I'll say that we need to, to uh, help our, our young people, one, in their temptation, but also in their discipleship. You know, uh, we've, got, we've got kids that will ask the greatest questions in the world. Sometimes 
uh, there are questions that I have to tell them I don't know. I'll have to get back with you on that. Uh, and sometimes there are questions that are very silly. Uh, but the important thing to note about that is that they're curious. They want to know about the Word of God. And if we're willing to take the time and to and to do little little th- hey laser quest so what if it costs a couple hundred dollars for us to go and take a few kids out there and do that and and buy them pizza we got to preach the word of God to them that was one that was one more night that they got to hear the word of God preached to them and it may have been the message that made the difference in their life at a turning point when they had to make a decision we 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 may never know. But discipleship is key with our young people. If we're, to, if we're to be compelled and to help and to be able to do this, we have to focus on our young people with the discipleship and with their guidance in their life. Some of our young people, uh, when I first got here, we had a handful of teenagers that have uh, uh, grown up and, and have moved on. I caught them right at the very end, and, uh, and they were good young people. I didn't know that, but a lot of them have gone to college or moved on um, but a lot of times they would ask questions then about uh, what should what should I do with uh, uh, with college when I look for something? How do I? One of the questions I got was how do I go to a secular college and still live a Christian lifestyle, uh, knowing that even most of the Christians aren't going to believe like I believe? Um, and those are good questions. It, it's it is our job to be able and willing to help our young people in our church. Because uh, our young people are the ones that will grow up to be our next preachers, our next missionaries, and maybe one day our next pastor. Uh, I'll say another, whosoever is our loved ones, uh, which are our family members and the people of this church. I might have stepped on a few of you men's toes a second ago, but I'll tell you this. I love each and every one of you. Uh, This church has been a great help to me uh, and my family. Uh, It's good to know that even if you've got things going on uh, at work, uh, that if things, even with your own, Brother Larry said a lot, even, even with your own family sometimes, you've got people at church that love you and that care about you. We ought, we ought to, we ought, if, if anybody in this world uh, we ought to be willing to go above and beyond for, it's the, it's the people of this church that love one another. Uh, we ought to be willing to encourage one another in things in our life. You know, uh, uh, oftentimes, uh, who who was it? Uh, Mike that had his uh, attorney's exam not long ago. Uh, I know he was nervous about that. I'd be too if I was going to be an attorney. Had to take a test to do that. And I know so many people that went by him and encouraged him. Said, "We're praying for you. Praying for we're praying for you." That lifts you up. That helps you. And uh, Brother Brandon lost his grandmother recently, and people continued to go by and say, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. That's encouraging. That helps the believer to grow and to stay firm on their foundation, to be able to move forward and serve the Lord and not be focused. Hey, sometimes these things in our life, Satan will have us focus on them, and we won't be able to focus on anything else in this entire world. But if we've got other people in the church that's helping us and to encourage us, uh, then that helps us stay focused on the, the ultimate goal. I'll say a third thing. So we know that our, the whosoever's our young people, the, li, the little people, the, the little ones, the loved ones, and then uh, the lost ones, lost folks. Um, what is this ultimately about? I mean, why, why is my heart still beating and my breath, uh, my uh, lungs still taking in a breath? 
uh, it's because at the end of the day, uh, the Lord expects me uh, to be glorifying to him in my testimony and to go out and to seek those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is why I am here, and that is why you are here. Uh, we ought to be compelled to seek those that have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Don't let Satan deceive you and lie to you and tell you people aren't interested in it and people don't want to hear it. You go to the bookstore, and they've got aisle after aisle after aisle of self-help books, of psychology books, of Joel Osteen books, Today's Your Day, You're Breaking Out, or whatever he's come up with next. They've got book after book after book of people that are looking for help. They're looking for a way out. They're looking to be uplifted in some way. And so oftentimes, we are just not willing to say, here's the book you're looking for. We ought to be willing. We ought to be willing. We ought to be compelled to go out and to seek those that are lost. Now, say, here's my last point. We know we ought to be called to be compelled, and we know who the whosoever is now. But how do we determine the distance? It says, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now, twain is, is the two. There's, there's no question that the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, go double what is expected of you. He's saying, do, do more than was his, what was expected of you. But how do we know how far we can go? How do we know how, we are, how far we are able uh, to go? Well, one, we have to know how prepared that we are. Uh, I would say that it is a, uh, would epidemic be the right word? I don't know. Maybe that only refers to disease, but uh, I'll say it anyway. Epidemic, it's like a disease, of Christians that are not familiar with the Word of God. Uh, you can search church after church, and hey, I'm not talking about uh, uh, the big praise and worship churches, but I'm talking about uh, like-minded churches, just like ours, of people that are, are not familiar with the Word of God. Hey, you can stand up and say, I'm willing to go the distance for the Lord. But how are you going to if you don't know what the Lord says? How are you going to share the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not saying it's impossible to lead somebody to salvation without knowing uh, from Genesis to Revelation. But I am saying that if you want the full power of the Lord on your side, we need to know what the Word of God says. We need to be able to, when somebody has a question, to say, uh, you know what, I know exactly where that is. That's it. That's in the book of Ephesians. I can help you with that and turn to that. We ought to be able to know exactly how to help someone. We ought to be prepared. But I also say we ought to be prepared and looking for opportunity. Hey, we can get all we can get excited being right here in the church. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit when Brother Toby preaches a good message, I get pumped up and I get ready to go out that door. And at the end of Sunday, uh, at the end of a Sunday morning service and, and I shake his hand ready to go. And as soon as I hit the parking lot, I think, do I want Chinese or Mexican today? I mean, that's, that's what goes through my mind. And then I go and eat, and then, you know, a couple hours later, uh, it, it's almost drifted away. Uh, and that, that's not anything of the message that was preached. That's my own flesh. That's, that's my own battle that I have to deal with. But I have to say that if we're going to go the distance for the Lord, we have to look for that opportunity. It has to be ever-present on the forefront of our mind to look for those that are in need. Hey, you can think of somebody right now that you may not want to go and talk to, but you know probably needs help in some area of their life. Maybe it's a neighbor. I've got neighbors that I don't talk to very much. Not because I don't like them. I just live out in the country. But I know some of them that I, I have never shared uh, the gospel with. Uh, and that's something that I should do. That's something that, that uh, we should be willing to do, to go out and to do that, to look for those opportunities. But I also say this, 
If we're going to be prepared, we have to be praying for power. I, in my own, in my own might, uh, have this much ability, zero ability. I can't do. I don't know if y'all have tried, but sometimes I try to do things my own way, and I tell the Lord, it, "It's okay, Lord. I'm not, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do it any kind of way that you would be displeased with, even though it is because it's not His way." But I think this is an okay way. I saw you do it in so and so's life, and it worked out great. So I'm going to give that a shot. And, and in all my might, I'll move forward and I'll fall flat on my face. And it's because I'm working in my own power. But if we're going to see Wall Ridge Baptist Church grow, glorify God, lead the lost to salvation, we have to spend time in prayer praying that God will give us power and give us help. You know, it does no good for me. Uh, I don't know if you've had these conversations, but uh, have you ever had a, a, almost an argument with somebody about biblical things? And afterwards you think, man, that got, that got nowhere. That didn't, get, that didn't make any progress. That was of no help to me or to them. Well, the reason was because that was, again, trying it in our own power. But if we pray for the Lord to help us and for our words to be the words that he wants us to say and would have us to say, then that's his power. And that's what makes the change in the heart of unbelievers. So I'll say uh, the second way that we know the distance, we determine the distance we can go, is we look and we see how it's glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, one, I'd say, with his grace. You know, it's a wonderful thing to see a lost person be saved. I'll say that it's a, I have seen many, many, many young people saved. And I can say it's a very exciting thing to see them lift their head in prayer. And you can, you can see it in their face that there is a change in their heart, that the Lord has saved them and that they know that they are different now. I've seen kids that have been on the, the wrong uh, side of the tracks, that have, uh, that have broke into churches, that have caused problems before, that go down to the altar, uh, pray and ask the Lord to save them, and afterwards weep, saying, I don't know why God would have saved somebody like me. That's the grace of God, and that's a wonderful thing. And, if, and we can go that distance, but we have to remember that God is able to do that. He is able, and He is willing to do that. But I also say we need to look and see the, the mercy of God in the lives of people. Um, there's a young man uh, that goes to a church uh, here in town that he used to be uh, in jail. He was an IV drug user. He was addicted. And he was in jail, and he got saved while he was in jail. And since he's been out of jail, he's joined the church. He's been called to preach. He's been married. He's had a child, and he's active in serving the Lord. Wouldn't you say that the Lord was merciful to him? Hey, he was addicted to drugs. His life could have been gone just like... We know how, how strong that is. His life could have been gone just like that. But God was merciful to him, and Christ was glorified in it. And I'll say this very last... To determine the distance that we can go, we ought to have eternity in mind. Hey, it's an exciting thing. Sometimes I get so caught up in trying to lead others uh, to the Lord that I forget how exciting it will be one day to see the loved ones that I've lost when I go to heaven. And most importantly, to see the one that saved me when I go to heaven. What a wonderful Savior that would save me uh, still knowing the things that I would get into and how rebellious I could be at times. Uh, still willing to love me and to save me and make me one of his own. What a wonderful Savior that we have. But to see the fruit of our labor, it's, it's worth it when one of these boys gets called to preach and has his own church one day. 
It, it's worth it when somebody walks through the back door one day that's uh, homeless or homosexual or addicted to drugs or in some terrible sin, and they come down to the altar and they pray, and their life has changed forever because somebody was willing to talk to them after church or shake their hand or, or do something in their life that was a help to them. So I'll close with this thought. Are we doing everything that we can to be a help to the whosoever in our lives? Are, are there things that we know that we could do more for the Lord? I know that there are because there's things in my own life. But I ask you tonight, think and ask the Lord to help you on those things that you uh, can work on in your life to be a better help and a greater help to those that they may be saved and that their lives may be changed.